you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. Week to week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. Hallelujah. It's my honor tonight to bring our speaker to this pulpit. He has given himself sacrificially to the student ministries of this church and our district over the last several years. He recently has reached his first point of retirement. He aged out of the Indiana Youth Department but is continuing to serve as our student ministry's pastor. We're so thankful for their labor. For those who ask, I want to be very clear. Everything that they do is 100% volunteer. They give of themselves. They take time off from work to see that our students are able to go to Youth Congress. So when there is a little tiff or a little riff or a little misunderstanding, let me explain something to you. They're volunteers. They're giving of their time, their energy, and their efforts so our students are able to go. That is incredibly commendable. Incredibly commendable. And they work tirelessly here in this church. I count on them for work days, anytime that they're needed. All I have to do is pay a phone call and it is, yes, pastor, we'll get right on it, even short notice today. And I appreciate so very much their love for this church, for the ministry, for what they're doing, and for the students that are part of this church. Would you make Brother Brandon Newcomer feel very welcome as he comes to minister tonight? We love you. Amen, amen. All right. All right, settle down out there. Amen. I don't know what to do with that sometimes, especially all the hooping. <laughs> but I do want to give honor to this church, uh, first and foremost to my pastor. Uh, I thank a man of God that stepped out of a bigger church to come to little old Frankfurt and to give his life, and to now build what we are able to be in tonight. I thank God for my pastor. Amen. Amen. <laughs> to the youth and to the parents of CLC, thank you very, very much for allowing your wonderful young people and your family to go with us to one of the scariest cities in all of America. We can't thank you enough to the youth themselves. You're the reason we continue in doctrine and in righteousness. We see our future in you. That's already been said tonight, but I really believe that we have a strong future for Christian Life Church. Amen? Amen. 
And I'm glad they took so long in the uh, first part of the service so I don't feel like I have to fill an hour. <laughs> if you would turn with me to Acts chapter 9 and verse 10. Amen. I was asked to speak for tonight and I'm always honored and, and privileged and very humbled because I don't feel like I deserve to be up here. But I feel God's placed something on my heart for, the, uh, for tonight. And so I hope by the grace of God that I'm able to speak what I feel. Amen. And I feel a heavy burden for what God's given me to speak and to preach. So would you please uh, preach along with me tonight. Amen. Acts chapter 9 and verse 10, and it reads like this. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And, and he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise, go into the street which is called Straight. And inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth, and hath seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he does or hath done in thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priests to bind all that call on thy name. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me, to bear my name before Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. If you'd close your Bibles tonight for just a short time, I want to preach a very simple message, but I want to title it, Where Are You, Paul? And as a subtitle, I just want to say, A Chosen Vessel. Would you mind helping me pray and touch the throne of God one more time for the, tonight's word? Lord, we thank you, Jesus. I thank you, God, for the opportunity, Lord, to bring your word, God, to be under your anointing and under your covering, God. I pray, Lord, your will would be done tonight, Jesus. I pray as our youth go back to school, Lord, that you would help leave a word in their hearts, Lord, something that would burn with desire to grow in you, Lord, to manifest itself, Lord, and God, to be soul winners of you, Lord, to be a testimony of what you've done for us, Lord, in this church and in this city and region. God, I pray you have your way tonight, Lord, in this church, in Jesus' name, amen. Before you're seated, would you turn to somebody next to you and say, where are you, Paul? Amen. You may be seated. When the church began, it was well known who the apostles were. In fact, they were so set up, they knew who the next disciples were, and they were just ready to go as new as the whole church concept was. They were ready to have church. The Bible says they went two by two, and they did everything that they were supposed to do, but there was one thing they did not anticipate, and that was Paul. In fact, the apostles had forgot, in my opinion, one of the most important things that God had ever promised the Jews. And I want to take you back before I go much further. Some 1,800 years before Christ, there was a man by the name of Abram, which God changed to Abraham. And in Genesis 22, it reads like this. Blessings I will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven, and of the sand which is on the shore, and your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. And then it reads, In your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. Imagine with me, 1,800 years, your family, your children, you are continuing to hear that your descendants 
will bless the earth. I couldn't imagine living up to that tall order. I have enough time thinking about retirement. (laughs) Imagine if all you ever heard for 1,800 years was that your family and your children and you will bless the world. You have to think of this family. You had Abraham, the father of the promise. He made the first covenant with God. Then we move further on when he had his children. You had Isaac and you had Jacob and eventually you had Joseph. Joseph was the one with the dreams. He fell in a pit but ultimately made his way all the way to Pharaoh's house. It's amazing when you think at how their journey was documented. It's almost like the whole Bible was written with one family in mind. You ever think of that? Everybody traces back because we know the end result of this family. But as they got through their life, they went from Egypt, Moses eventually taking down all of Egypt, moving the children of Israel out. They conquered Canaan, they set up kingdoms, and to this day have a nation that every move impacts the world as we know it. You realize that Chicago has like some 300 murders a year. We don't really hear about them much, and we're two hours away. If somebody has a fist fight in Israel, we know about it. That is a nation that everybody has focused on. With this great family, they've forgotten, though, their biggest attribute in the world today, and that is Jesus. And with Jesus came the church, 1,800 years to usher in the perfect will of God, perfect in its design. That's why 2,000 years later, we sit in a church. If you didn't realize back then, the word church was actually a bad translation. It's more so translated assembly. Because so oftentimes we mess up and think that this is the church. When really, this is the church. And that's where we get off on some of our theology and some of our thinking that we're about buildings, but God never meant it to be about a building. It's about you, and it's about me, and it's about him. He came to earth. He gave all. And he gave one great commandment that said, your purpose is this, go teach all nations, baptize them, disciple them, be the church. Which takes us to Acts, which takes us back to where we started tonight. God trusted disciples so much that he named them and said, in heaven, your foundation, the foundation of all of heaven will have your names. That's how much he trusted them with the doctrine. That's why the Bible says they were steadfast. They were so steadfast when that word happens, it's because they knew that if I have to die for it, so be it. Steadfast, ready with the doctrine. But then there was an audible with God. You see, the apostles knew how to compel people. They knew how to bring them in, but they got one thing a little wrong. And I want to take you to what Paul says about this one thing. Galatians chapter 2 and 11. But when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face because he was to be blamed. You ever stand somebody in the face? (laughs) It's called face-to-face. It's when you're getting up in their grill about something. I'll break it down for you. You're all right. He withstood him in the face because he was to be blamed. But before that, certain came from James. He did eat with the Gentiles. But when they, the Jews, were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. In other words, Peter did a great job. He unlocked all of salvation. He did everything he was supposed to do, but he stayed clear of people that were not under the old law. He didn't have an understanding that law was fulfilled in Christ. 
at least to the point where they were fine reaching out to Gentiles. Is anybody out there a Gentile tonight? Amen. I thank God that there's more than just Peters in the world, and we have some Pauls. He really didn't think this was for all people. He forgot the words of God, I will bless the world through you and your seed. I believe Peter was messed up a bit in his thinking. He wanted to keep it a Jewish thing. You know how I know this? Because God gave him a vision. In Acts 10, the vision was given. In Acts 11, it mattered to him so much that he begins to tell again of the vision. And the vision said that he was sleeping and God showed him four-legged beasts and creeping things and all this stuff. And he knew, he said, I'm not eating that. Paraphrased. Brandon Joseph version. He said, I'm not eating that. I'm just not. And God said, don't call unclean what I have called clean. To the point where it finally made sense in Acts 11, chapter, or, uh, verse 18, when he said, They heard these things, they held their peace and glorified God, saying, Then hath God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. Peter had some limits. He had fear. He had hesitation. He felt unclean reaching the people outside of the church. In fact, multiple times in scriptures, you'll see these apostles always returned to Jerusalem. See, that's a problem sometimes. I, if, you're, if you're not catching me, I, I promise I won't be long and I've got a simple point tonight. We need more Pauls in our life than we need Peter's. Peter had the keys to all of salvation. That's unlocked. He fulfilled his purpose. I'm not against Peter, but Peter could only reach Jews. And he had a mindset to keep going back to the place where people that knew everything already lived and actually almost had a problem with the Jesus that was part of the Jews. But Paul was something different. Paul was made for one purpose, and that was to be not part of the Jews. In fact, they say that Paul didn't have anything to do with the Jews. I'll read scripture on that later. We'll get to it in a second. But uh, they wanted only to be available to people that knew the law or knew the Bible. You ever find yourself maybe at work or maybe at school and you only want to talk to people that know who God is? There's nothing wrong with fellowship of the brethren and being amongst ourselves and all that. But we're not to just be so shielded that all we do is talk to each other who have the Holy Ghost or who are baptized it's to whosoever will. It's supposed to be something we let out. We're a living testimony. It's something that we let out. I want to share how churches are doing just 10 years ago. This is how churches are doing because, again, a lot of churches want a Peter mindset where we look at the church and we don't look at the world. They say that fast-growing churches, churches that grow better than 5% a year, are 12% of churches. They say churches that grow at all are another 23%. Back in 2009, 35% of churches grew, period. The other 65% are either slowly or fastly going to a death where the church doesn't exist. The building's vacant and eventually sold. That was 2009. 2018, instead of 35%, we are now down to 27% of churches that grow it's up to us to be a growing church. This church is full, and I love it, and I wouldn't have it any other way, but there's still seats. We can still grow. It's never for us to keep it inside, but we've got to make it more than what it is. Amen. That's where we're going when we go to school or to work. We think they really don't need it, do we? 
we think they're not going to understand tongues. It's weird. I'll never forget, man, I was in high school. I was telling the class this morning I had crossed about 2,000 people's lives in that four years. When you look at the 1,300 there, and then every year we'd graduate about 300, it was right at 2,000 people. In those four years, I had the chance to impact. I didn't say nothing to hardly anybody until I graduated. I started asking my friends, you want to come to church? They said, absolutely. I began to ask them, I said, what's your thoughts, you know, of, of, of this, that, and that? I said, Brandon, we've always respected you. I said, really? I was the tongue-talking weirdo in marching band that wore pants. You respect them, and they had a love for me. They had a knowledge. That summer before my senior year, it's my biggest regret because I didn't start sooner. I probably brought 10 or 15 of my friends that I trusted that looked up to me to church. Some got the Holy Ghost. Some got baptized. Some married my brother. Some of you will say that they don't believe that there's one God. Some will say there's no way one God can or one God can handle one devil. We always think that it takes three. And so because of just small discrepancies, we won't talk about God. They won't believe that God can bring them out. Some say if I walk in my church, the building would fall down. Ever heard that? I would say back to them, trust me, the last guy said the same thing and it's still standing. The building's not going to fall down just because of your sin. God's not going to strike you dead when you try to come to a place of repentance. That's not what God's all about. So what did God do? He went after a Paul. He found him on the road. He blinded him and redirected him. Paul's response was to fast until he could see. You see, even in my spot, we think that our place is permanent, that we can't be replaced, but the truth is I'm replaceable. And the next guy will probably be smarter, wiser, and know how to speak to more sinners than I ever will. The truth is we're not so set in our ways that God isn't constantly looking for somebody, someone that will be a Paul in this life, truly a chosen vessel. Some of us are so much like Peter and the other apostles that we have escapism in us. You ever heard of that? We used to sing songs about it all the time. As much as we love those old hymns, sometimes they're escapism. It's all about going up yonder and going out of this world, but God isn't, he's not done yet here. It's not about going up there just yet. Yes, I look for that great and terrible day, as the scripture says. But ultimately, I've still got a work to do down here. You guys need to listen to me. In your schools, you are something special. This world is not, it's not a place that will hate you, it loves you. Amen. It's because there's peace in you that they don't know. He did this, God did this by finding someone that knew the truth but was hated by the Jews. He found someone that wasn't going to be great in Judea, somebody the Jews didn't trust. Some of you might not have eloquent speech. You might not know how to talk to people. You might not have any clue. You might only be the one person that can go talk to the girl that's cutting herself in the corner. But you have a purpose. My God, if you get past yourself and realize that somebody's crying out for something greater and he wants you to do your part and tell him of a Jesus that already died on a cross for you, one that already took pain and shame from you, 
We read it together. Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. You might say, that's not me. That's not my school. That's not our youth. I'm nobody. People don't even know me or my name. Peter used to think that. Again, God gave him a vision and said, don't call the unclean or the, the clean unclean. It's hard for us to think that those that don't have a dad is desirable, desirable by God. It's hard for us to think sometimes that friend that's in the corner that doesn't have everything that you have in your life, that all of a sudden God doesn't want them. It's hard to think, well, how would I even get them to church? Let's talk about it. How would I ever bring them? My family's got a full car. How would I ever witness? Let's make that the problem and nothing else. Let's find ways to pack this, pack this place with even more young people that are desirable. I'm ready for football teams to sit dead in center. I'm ready for baseball teams to be sitting on the side ready to do something for God. Thank you, Jesus. My pastor preached on it a few weeks ago about fear, and the truth is we have those questions. They might persecute me, right? Yeah, and you might be the most effective thing to ever hit your school. They might make fun of me. Honey, they're already making fun of you. That's all right. You're about to be peculiar. You might say, well, they don't let me talk about God. Yeah, they didn't let Paul talk either, but he did. It doesn't matter. Nobody knows me. Great. They knew Paul. They didn't like him. It's all right if it's your first day in a new school. It's all right if it's your first time in a new situation. Sometimes maybe we should question ourselves, should I get laid off or should I quit my job just so I can go to some place where maybe they don't know all about me to where I can do what God's called me to do more than retirement. I thank God you have, uh, let me tell you something. Man, this messed me up. This messed me up the other day. I got back from NAYC. When I got back, my guy started saying, hey, man, how was your youth trip? <laughs> yeah. It's a youth trip. I said, we had 37,000 of their jaws dropped. So 37,000. I said, oh, yeah, buddy, packing out stadiums. I said, you wouldn't believe it. The next day, the guy comes in, my buddy. His name is Brandon as well. He says, hey, man, I saw your church. I said, what are you talking about? He goes, my buddy, he, he went there as well, and uh, he started showing me the crowd, and I started looking on his Facebook. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He said, bro, look, look, at the, look at this, look at the video. I thank God for a new job. Amen. I thank God for a place where I can finally tell somebody new about God. If the old place doesn't want to know anymore, fine. Kick the dust off your shoes and move to something else. Get to where somebody's going to listen to you talk about your Lord and Savior. Where are you, Paul? You are a chosen vessel. The truth is this is your time. You have everything you need. The Bible says that there's one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. You have everything that you need. Amen. Peter had limits. He led the Jews, and I don't discount what he did or what he said or what was done. But there was one time I really feel like he got the words right, and he said, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood and holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Young person, let me tell you tonight, you're chosen. How do you know that's me? How do you know that's our generation? Let me tell you something. 
last week, and somebody questioned, uh, I forget who it was, somebody questioned me about how do I know St. Louis is the most dangerous city in America, but all of CBS and the FBI tell me so. And as we entered the most dangerous city, according to all of the FBI, we began to check into hotel rooms by the multitude. They stopped and began to ask pastors and older men and leaders, and they would say how unbelievably different the experience was. They would say that there were lines of hundreds of people long, and they stretched for hours, and not one person began to cuss, become irate, threaten, get in fights, nothing. They said it was absolutely peace. They began to wonder, who are you people? That's right. We're someone different. You see, we're getting it as a generation. We're going to love the Lord with all our hearts, and we will love others as ourselves. This lady, uh, if you're not on Facebook, I, I, I got off there recently, but I got on because they have this uh, uh, miracles, NAYC miracles. I want to share with you what's happened since NAYC and even at NAYC. One lady begins to show a video of her daughter. She says, it won't seem like a miracle to you, but I still believe in miracles. Here's a video of my two-year-old speaking in tongues, praying, crying to herself all the way home. She even quotes scripture. And she said, verily I say unto you, except you be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. The Bible also says that he's going to pour out his spirit on all flesh. It doesn't matter how old they are. It doesn't matter what background they came from. All that matters is that we tell them who Jesus is. All that matters is that we speak up about what we know to be true. That's what matters to God. Amen. Amen. One lady gets on there and she begins to tell and she says, Our church is a precious home missions church. We've been in a mighty God-orchestrated revival on Friday night. We echoed behind Brother Tuttle as he proclaimed we can't measure the miracle that God is about to pour on our city. Two days later, an opportunity came up for them to purchase a new van. This afternoon, our pastor picked it up. This is the only the beginning. And then she writes again, update on the miracle. Thursday night, we have our youth service. Tonight, our youth took the van around town and to, new ta and to a Taco Bell. But before our pastor told us that we weren't only able to purchase the van, but so much money had been rolling in because of the miracles and people talking about it that they were able to repair their church location. They said since then, another pastor's donated to the new building fund and has given us a whole nother bus free of charge. Several others are donating to our new building fund as well and we're holding fast to a prophecy that will be in by Christmas. My God. My God. Let me say something to our church. It's been prophesied and we fasted for it and it was said he's going to do a quick work. It said that that building's not going to take years. I don't care what the world might have to do with sales and this, that, and other and monies. But when God steps in the middle, nothing can change that. Nothing can change that. They say that we finished off by singing in our new van. It was the first of many, many miracles in store for our city. There's videos on there of a paralyzed man at NAYC. He stands up like he was never supposed to be in the chair. 
They danced around with back braces that were thrown away. You saw security guards getting the Holy Ghost and dancing. You saw all sorts of chains being broke off people's lives. And they say over a thousand young people or, or attendants received the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's why we went. Some music comes. I've got just a couple more, and I'm gonna, I promise we're going to just praise our way through the night. Is that all right with you? There was a pastor, and he said, we have a 14-year-old young lady who has a severe heart condition, so severe her own parents only allow her to attend NAYC when two nurses and one ICU nurse from our other church agreed to attend with her. She would become winded after two to three minutes and any, uh, at any physical exercise. They say the last night she danced and worshipped in the Holy Ghost for over an hour. She felt a change in her chest. It's amazing what God can do when we'll get together and be what we're supposed to be. That's who God is. Another lady got on there and said that a couple from her church invited a backslider to Friday night. She took him up on the offer. She began to praise and worship and receive the Holy Ghost. She began to pray and intercede for her brother who was on life support. The doctors and the family told her we're pulling the plug tonight. And at 2 a.m. they went in and pulled the plug on her brother. But that wasn't the end of the story. Saturday morning they told this girl to prepare for a funeral, but that never happened. He was awake. He was alive, fully functional on Saturday. And now he's recuperating and planning on getting out of the hospital. Thank you, Jesus. This is your generation. This is your time. Church, this is our time. I don't care if you're 80 and you feel like you're on your last leg. It's still our time to be an impact in our city and in our region. That's who God is. God's a God that just won't give up on you. He's ready to use you. Young people, hear me. As school starts, it's time for you to be a Paul. It's time for you to be a Paul. Somebody's going to tell you some strange story about how they know about our church or how they knew about us. And, man, they were thinking about coming. And we've heard that about, what, 300 times in the past year? It's because God's not going to not stand behind you. And when somebody's here that's new, they're going to experience God because we have faith, we have his love, we worship. Do you realize T.F. Tenney said it best? He said, you know, the word's great. The word's great. But God doesn't come for the word. He comes for the worship. It's us who come for the word. The word's settled. I had this message long before tonight happened, thank God. Because he comes for worship. He might deal with the man of God that's supposed to speak and anoint him and put him in a time, and, and that's all perfect. That's for us. But when he shows up, it's during worship. That's the God that we serve. My God. When you wonder why people come and they don't have any connection with our church and you'll see tears roll down their eyes, it all happens because there's a God that shows up because of worship. You see, all you have to do is bring them and let God do the rest. If you'll just bring somebody and let God do the rest. Well, we're packed out up there. Yeah, and it's going to be fun trying to figure that out. Well, we're not sure how we're going to fit them into multiple vans and how in the world we're going to have room. Yeah, mm -hmm. we're going to have that problem when we stop worrying about the church and start worrying about the church. 
It matters who we think about. If the rest of you would stand with me. Where are you, Paul? Where are you, Paul? You are a chosen vessel. There's one more story I'd like to share from last week. I saw the report that said that there was no violence for the last 72 hours talking about NAYC. And people quickly got on there and disclaimed it, but this I know to be true. There was a pastor, his name is Pastor Davis, and he had a Baptist church. And he had a parking lot, and, he, and, and the man writes online, he said, we're so thankful for the opportunity uh, for this man and to be able to park at his church. He goes, I got to talk to him on Thursday night. I thought I'd lost my wallet, and I felt the need to check in my truck. And as I made my way, I encountered Pastor Davis. We talked for quite some time. He was beyond grateful for the amount of people that showed up. He mentioned that he was praying for people to come bring hope to the city, and he knew nothing about North American Youth Congress. Somehow the, uh, the parking idea spread like wildfire. But what struck me most was our conversation while we were following words directly from him. St. Louis has never experienced anything like this. You can feel the peace in my city. You can feel the liberty. Something feels different. He said, I've been pastoring 14 years. He's never seen or felt this at all. There's usually people breaking in the cars in the area. He said, but this entire week I have not seen one person near here. He proceeded with recently the Jehovah's Witness or the people that are still under the law. That community was here, but I didn't feel what I felt this week. When Beyonce comes to town, they block everything off. Police are everywhere. But with this group, I haven't seen one officer needed. St. Louis needs this, he says. I began to minister to his life. All I know is that the Lord is fixing to do something big in his life and in St. Louis. No eye has seen, no ear has heard. I wonder if you'd close your eyes with me. My God. If you wonder why Frankfurt's growing, it's already been said from this pulpit that because of this church and the ministry of this church that this city will grow. If you wonder why the mayor has favor and why all the politicians, everything seems to be going right, it's because God has allowed it. If you're wondering why this is a peaceful small town and a region that we're able to reach, it's because there's been some Pauls that have reached out. There's also been some Peters that still stay behind and teach to the church, but there's some that have reached out and said, we're not going to let this world go down without a fight. So tonight I wonder, where are you, Paul? You're a chosen vessel. Where are you, Paul? As I open up these altars, I wonder if there's somebody that feels like they can do something else for God. Maybe you feel like you can reach something. Maybe nobody will see it. It's already been told that the next revival will be anonymous. Nobody has to know about it, but God can use you. So tonight I begin to ask, where are you, Paul? Won't you find a place to worship? Won't you find a place to turn over and commit a new life to God? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. you for this. He chose you for That's this moment. Oh yeah. Hallelujah. 
that will come pray with your students. I wonder if there's some family members that will come and throw an arm around your young person, maybe your cousin or nephew. I wonder if there's some family members that would just bind together and say, we're all going to be tonight ones that reach out. Won't you find somebody even up in this front to pray with? That's all right. We're not up here to make you feel bad. We want you to know Christ. Hallelujah. 